those in our industry that I aspire to be like, or I look, I look up to these folks, they, you know, one of the keys to, to success in their business is relationships. 100%. Yeah. You could have all the work in the world. If you have no one to produce it because you're a jerk or you're just not, you don't pay on time or whatever the case may be, you know, whatever the case may be, you can't get it done. My framer a month ago, my frame, I'm, I was at a, at a job. It's like a thousand square foot in-law suite addition that we're building in uh, North Wales. Uh, so I just popped in. I was on a sales call like nearby, dropped in, see how the job is going. My framer's there, and he's walking around checking up on the work. And he comes up to me, and goes, "You know, Nick, I just gotta say, I just gotta say thank you." Like, All right, what's up, Chris? Yeah. You, I've never been paid faster than I've been paid, you know, by you guys. He said, "I put it, I get an invoice in." He's like, "By the end of the week, I got a check already." And, that, and that's great because I don't have to leverage out money to pay my guys. And um, you have any more work coming up? And over the years, I've learned that if you pay people quickly and appreciate them through paying them quickly, like that is the number one thing because it's not just the money. It's like they trust you more. We're just going to start the show because we're not going to waste any time here. We've got a guest, Nick um, from LBK Design Build. They've been building... Um, a new office slash showroom right around the corner from our office. So we've been driving past you guys for a little while now. And then I believe Allison, who nobody knew was here until I, you know, called you out behind the camera, set up this whole podcast with us. And when you emailed me, I was kind of just like, it was literally, I checked it as I was like pulling into the parking lot here and I just driven past and I was like, I felt like I was going to get to see inside Willy Wonka's factory. If that makes any sense. Cause I've been driving past it for so long. You guys have been working so hard on that building that, um, it was cool that like everything got connected. So welcome. Thank you. Yeah. Have you ever done a podcast before? I have. Okay. Damn. I, now I'm jealous. I wish we were your first. It was virtual <laughs> though. Oh, oh all right, so, so it wasn't in person like this. Okay. So you did a zoom call. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We've never done a virtual one. It just seems we like the more personal approach. It's like, we like actually like sitting down and talking. Agreed. No, Same here. no problems with the uh, the Zoom podcast nation. Where, like, how long ago did you guys purchase that building down there? I bought that building about a year and a half ago. Okay. Um, so, so you've been, but I've been looking at it for about five years. Yeah, because it was for sale for a while, right? Like about six or seven years. Yeah, and w- what was it before that? It was like a carpet place or something like, or it was like an antique shop, maybe. I vaguely remember it being like a like an like an Oriental carpet. And rug store or maybe something I like that. I don't think it was it was that. It was um the one segment of it was a chiropractic. Okay. Practice. Um the other part, the main building, has been vacant for like ten plus years. And the last tenant that was there was an engineering firm of all things, which is kind of funny to me because when we started doing the renovations and demolition, mm. we uncovered like load bearing beams that were unsupported. Like they were like, let's get rid of these interior <laughs> walls that are holding up the whole building and cover it up with drop ceiling. Yeah, Yay. I guess maybe they're not in business anymore because of... <laughs> they moved. Okay. Um, we won't call them out then. No. I don't <laughs> think they necessarily did that. Probably um, not. But that building is uh, late 1800s. Yeah, it's a really, really cool building, and it's in a very, very high... It's a high-traffic area. It's a really high-traffic area. Um, and you guys did a great job with, like, the side facade of the building, like, putting your branding on the side of there. So you're almost, like, fo- like there's nothing else to look at besides that building when you're driving, like, that short segment of road there. So was that intentional to 
or is it, it just a convenient place? Like why did, why was that building where you chose? In our industry, it's really tough to find um, a space that really suits our needs because we need, um, and you're in the building industry, so you can, you can relate. Um, you need professional offices. You need um, an area to store materials for deliveries. Okay. You have to be able to receive deliveries. And uh, you need, if you really want to be efficient, you need a design center at a minimum or, or a showroom. So you can have clients come in, make selections along the uh, design process hmm. before we close out a contract. So uh, that space checked all those boxes for us. And uh, like you said, it's great visibility. I think we've been, we moved in April of this year. You're, you're actually operating out of there right We're now? operating out of there. Oh, nice. So what you're seeing now that's under construction is just the, the ground floor, and it, that's only design center. Mm. The upper two floors are, are offices. That's awesome. So we're fully working out of there and uh we've already noticed like we've gained so much traction from being there uh we've done a couple of peddlers village events like the apple fest um and i think what it was the uh october feast yeah and uh, we just you know just giving out brand awareness stuff like pop sockets and t-shirts the cool stuff cool stuff and then people come up to us and say you know hey man uh yeah we've seen you up, up the road there it looks great and we we've been getting phone calls from people in Buckingham mm. just to compliment the building because it's kind of right in that exposed area. And that building has been so it's, it's just been hurting for so many years. Yeah. It's, it's kind been of been falling apart slowly over the years yeah. that when, when I saw somebody like when the signs came down and like, I found out somebody had bought it. I was very like, oh, somebody's got, you know, a little project on their plate now. I wonder, yeah. wonder what's going to go there. And once I saw that it was like a building company, I was like, Oh, that makes complete sense. Cause who else would, you know, tackle this. They needed someone like, like me to buy it. Yeah. And when I, when I went to look at it three or four years ago, it was listed way too high. And I told the realtor, Hey man, dude, this is going to take at least half a million easy. Yeah. In Reno. They're like, no way. Well, yeah. Okay. We're, yeah, we're, we we're do over this. budget. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So are you like, we were talking before the podcast, you live locally. Um, you live in Chalfont. Like, is your business predominantly like, where, like where's your f- areas of focus? For your company? The number one area that we work in is in Doylestown. Okay. Um, especially 18902. Mm. Um, so it was like the northern part of Doylestown, I guess. The northern, more like rural area is where okay. we tend to work. We also work a lot in Newtown. Uh, we've got a lot of things going on in like Wayne Radner, uh, Bluebell. Okay. So uh, down closer areas. to like the Villanova main line. Yeah, we, we're like, corridor. we got this like weird divide. We're like all the way on this side of Bucks County or on the other side of Montgomery. Yeah, that that happens a lot. Um, we haven't. How long have you been in business? We started in 2014. Okay, um, but we started as a different company, mm. and we rebranded in 20 uh, 2020, like during COVID. So the LBK stands for Luxury Bath and Kitchens, and we used to be mainly kitchen and bath focused. Um, with my background being in just general construction and large, I did commercial, I did residential. Um, I'd went to a client's house, um, and we had. We did a kitchen remodel for them. Uh, two years later, we get a call back. We're like, hey, Nick, we need our master bath and guest bath done. I said, great, come on, I'll come on over. Go over there, talk to them a little bit. I said, oh, yeah, between the kitchen and this, we had our basement done. I said, why don't you call me? So I didn't know you did basements. Like, well, of course I do basements. Yeah, people don't, that's like the complicated thing with like branding yourself in construction. Yeah. If you, you, 
you know, want to target, like, say you look, like label yourself like a luxury home builder. Right. Next thing you know, all the people beneath that luxury, what they perceive as the luxury level, like, just won't call you. Or, right. like, if you say, hey, like, we're, you know, the basement guys, like, you're totally capable of putting a kitchen in a basement, but nobody's going to call you to put the kitchen in their kitchen. So it's kind of like, it's interesting that that happened. Cause I always think about that with like com- construction companies because you see like the companies that have like, we, you know, we do roofing, siding, carpentry, kitchens, bat, like you can't do all of those things and be good at it. Right. So usually you see people like yourself, like do kitchens and bathrooms, but then those are the most difficult areas of the house to renovate. So if you need something more than that, it's usually like, yeah, sure. No big deal. Yeah. But it just, um, it kind of like as a salesman, it kind of like, Got on me a little. Uh, bit. Of course, because you your customer went to somebody else yeah, for something dude. you guys could do. And um, the how the how the basement look though? It was pretty good. Yeah, okay. yeah. It was another local company. They're pretty popular. Um, I don't know the owner personally. Um, I know a lot of guys in our industry just through Nary and through other networking type groups. Um, mm. but they did a nice job. They did a stand up job. Yeah. Are you in like HBA? No, or you're not in. It. You're you no, do the, the Nary events though. I'm mostly. Uh, yeah, I mostly focus in in Nary. And then there's another group I belong to called Remodelers Advantage. Um, that's a nationwide company uh, that you join, and it's it's about roundtabling. So you get put into groups of ten, mm. and your your group is um, consisted of, of members that are all either contractors or design build type companies from non competing markets. Okay, so and you'll be with the guy from like Texas or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So there's in my group I have people from California, Florida, like all over the place. You get a lot of benefit from networking on that level because you're that one's not for networking that's more for sharing best business practices okay and that's probably been one of the most influential moves in my entire career oh really that group yeah just being exposed to other people's like administrative processes or the actual application and installation of your product you know how there's like a cliche of people saying there's levels levels to this game yeah there is there is levels to, to our game yeah you get to meet and rub shoulders with you know, people at the very tip top and in a, you know, in, in a constructive criticism type of way, they will focus in on what you're, you know, if you're talking to them or asking them for advice, they will focus in on your company and they'll give you what you need to hear. Yeah. You know, they're not going to tell you what you want to hear. Um, and you, then, but you have to, in order to get to the level that you're at where you're, you know, you're buying historic buildings, renovating them for your office. Like you have to be willing and open to that feedback and criticism. I see a lot of my peers are either in one of two boats. It's like, I know what I'm doing and I'm going to stay in this lane. And right. then there's the other folks such as yourself that know what they're doing is good right now, but there's always that, you know, push for improvement. can always be better. Yeah. You got to, you got to be open-minded in this industry. I think if you want to get anywhere. Yeah. So how, how has business been for you for the last two years then? Amazing. Yeah. The best. The best two years yeah. ever. COVID was a uh, blessing in disguise for us, for sure. Yeah, because everybody was stuck at home? Everyone was stuck at home. It kind of gave me it, it gave me a chance to unplug from the daily whirlwind. Okay. And it was in that moment where I rebranded our company. And it's been, you know, a game changer for us as well because we're, I mean, we're building really um, common projects like additions and remodels. But then we're also doing these cool, you know, builds now. Like we're, we're building this car barn in Doylestown, like six thousand square feet, and mm-hmm. it's it's a it's not you know calling it a barn is kind of funny because it's kind of kind of fancy. 
got like heated floors, radiant heat. And, yeah, uh, really a nice. Car, it's a nice car barn. It's a nice car barn. Yeah. Um, and we're about, I would say, 80% of the way finished. Okay. Um, and you have it, pictures. Of, I think I saw stuff of that on your social media. Yeah, tons of video. Yeah. yeah and, and stuff on social. Yeah. That's awesome. Are you, what would you say right now, like going into 2023, are you mostly kitchens, most, mostly bathrooms, or are you just trying to serve like all the customers in a certain demographic? Like what, what is like a customer of yours look like right now? Um, most of our customers tend to be in the higher demographic, mm. you know, um, higher income range for the most part, but we, we kind of work a little bit with, you know, with everyone. Um, yeah. I don't think we've had a swing in like a deviation of less small projects. And now we only take on big stuff. It's kind of like a mixed bag. Okay. So we do have regular kitchen remodels going on, regular guest baths going on. They're individual projects, but we also have like, can you remodel my whole house or my first floor? So it's, it's a pretty good mixed bag uh, of, pro- of projects in general. What is your company like to have such like a diverse, um, diversified portfolio of projects? What kind of team do you keep? Like your in-house staff, what does that look like? Do you have project managers, carpenters, designers all in-house, or do you sub? Like how's that work at your company? Um, we, so we used to be more self-performing in the work, mm-hmm. so less office and more field-heavy, and now we've kind of come the other way. So we have um, two carpenters on staff, and then everyone else has either design or some sort of management. Okay. And we're, like everyone else, shorthanded. We're trying to actively fill 2 p.m. positions. Um, we need someone to do, like, office management as well. And I think a couple other ones. Listen up, people. Yeah. Get a job. We're trying. Yeah, it's hard. It's really hard. It's not hard if you're if you're on the looking for a job side. But on the, like, hiring people, you're competing with everyone. And then you're also competing with people that just don't even want to work. Right. I think our industry's really gotten hurt. Like it's been a blessed, like the last two years on like the Corona um, year was really great in terms of sales for us and getting like growing work. Um, but in terms of growing the team, it got more difficult as things got more easy to sell because people 100%. just, it's just, it's, I was not expecting at this course, like in my career, to have that kind of problems. It's it's um, it's scary, especially the field stuff, like finding really good. I th- I feel like a lot of carpenters that are good are kind of going into business for themselves as opposed to wanting to work for a company. And I think um, there's a lot of I don't want to say blame, but um, a lot of it I think falls on us as the employers mm. because if you think like. In the private sector, for carpenters, if if a guy works as a carpenter for 20, 30 years, if he's at a small company, you know, does he really have a big retirement plan in place by the company? Like, what what are the benefits in there? It's like, I feel like they kind of look for an hourly wage, and then they're happy with that, and they start hitting 40, 45, stuff starts to hurt more. Yeah, and then they and then they're like, "Well, I'm, yeah. I've been trying to go for project management positions, but it hasn't worked out. So, what am I supposed to do now? What am I going to do if I can't get up and get out of bed because my back's aching?" And I think um, carpenters that are good that can go into business for themselves and succeed at it well, probably can do a little bit better. So, because of that, we've kind of we've kind of gone towards the subcontractor mm-hmm. model, 
uh, a little bit, and we we have better success actually with with small subs. It makes sense because in like to play off what you said, like the carpentry business is such a like I don't know. I guess it's kind of it's it's very. I used to be just carpentry and business for myself, and my thought process was, you know. I'm ready to make the sacrifices and work harder to make sure that my future is better than it would be. Like no one's going to work harder for me than me. Right. So, and then you put together like that attitude with like a little bit of competency and then you have yourself like probably a relatively successful small carpentry business. And then you have businesses like yours that just can't, bridge that gap for someone in like my shoes several years ago where it was just like you you don't want to go work for someplace because then like they're gonna like there's just a lot of negative connotation and there's a lot of like field versus the office mentality yeah going on yeah um, and i feel like working with trade partners um we we like to call them trade partners yeah it makes um, sense um but um we feel like they're happier in general they they don't have to go out and sell work you know, a lot of them don't want to, air quotes, deal deal with clients. Um, and that's an area that we excel in. So if we could just hand them off almost like a job ticket, like, here you go, here's the project. Um, you know, sometimes they bid the number. Um, if, we, if we've been working with them for a while, they don't even bother. We estimate it in there for them at times mm-hmm. and kind of let them know where the budget's got to be at. Um, and, they're, and they work with us. They take the job on they get it done and they move on to the next thing and they're usually pretty happy well it makes a lot of sense too because you can't be good when you're a small business and you're a carpenter like your first job is that you have to be good at carpentry right and then you have to be good at you know running your business exactly. hopefully and making money and making profitable and then you have to be good at selling your business and then you have to be good at scaling the business and then right. and that's really where when i talk to a lot of people that um and I don't want to use the word struggle because sometimes they choose to stay at certain levels, as you said. Um, it's really that ability to, you know, see the bigger picture and have a vision and then connecting those, you know, lily pads that they have to jump across right. to get to that vision. Whereas a lot of the guys I see um, kind of just get on one level and they're satisfied there. And sometimes they eventually they, they get to a place where they like, Hey, how do I grow it to the next thing? And they just, you know, they're maybe not good at selling. So they can't get that, that project that, you know, levels them up Mm -hmm. or they're not good at leading or, you know, putting a team together. So then they can't get enough guys to do that next level project. And the leadership one's a big one, the leadership, the leadership and accountability. Like you can find a really good carpenter, but if you get, you get into a position where something's wrong and you ask them to fix it and they blow up in your face. Like that guy's never going to be a great leader. Right. Like if he can't own mistakes on his, on what he's doing, he's never going to be able to hold people accountable in like a team setting. So it's, it's kind of, but it's also kind of cool that you were able to build, you call them trade partners. Right. Instead of subs. I mean, that's a really nice way of putting a subcontractor, but it feels like you have a, a more of a relationship with them, which makes a lot of sense because you can rely on a competent carpenter and they're relying on you. It's really only, it's like the, the like the language or like the IRS paperwork that says they're not a part of your company. Right. Like it's that everybody's got this like me versus you mentality when in reality, like it's just 
the subcontractor can still be considered a part of your your environment. Absolutely. So you don't necessarily like I think sometimes companies go further the way you're setting it up with like ninety percent subcontractors and then having like a couple guys in house to like, you know, take care of loose odds and ends. Um because you're getting the accountability of somebody that like wants to be in business for themselves. You're not, you, you can get yourself into a bit of a jam if you start hiring a bunch of people that don't want the responsibility. Those in our industry that I aspire to be like, or I look, I look up to these folks. They, you know, one of the keys to, to success in their business is relationships. 100%. Yeah. You could have all the work in the world. If you have no one to produce it because you're a jerk or you're just not, you don't pay on time or whatever the case may be, you know, whatever the case may be. You can't get it done. Yeah, and you you see so much of that in this business. It's kind of unfortunate that when people, like when you say you call yourself a builder, people automatically label you. Be like, oh, you know, we worked for a builder before. Yeah, right away. So it takes, I think, when you hire. My my framer, a month ago, my framer, I was at a job. It's like a 1,000 square foot in-law suite addition that we're building in uh, North Wales. Uh, so I just popped in. I was on a sales call, like, nearby, dropped in, see how the job's going. My framer's there, and he's walking around, checking up on the work, and he comes up to me and goes, you know, Nick, I just got to say I just gotta say thank you. I'm like, all right, what's up, Chris? Goes, <laughs> you, I've never been paid faster than I've been paid, you know, by you guys. He says, I, put it, I get an invoice in. He's like, by the end of the week, I got a check already, and, that, and that's great because I don't have to leverage out money to pay my guys. And um, you have any more work coming up? Yeah, (laughs) and that I always see when I meet people, even like off the podcast or on site or, you know, out at different events, like when I meet other builders at what other level they're at, whether they just do bathrooms or they do just kitchens and baths or they do just do basements, there's always a little bit to learn from all of those people. And over the years, I've learned that if you pay people quickly and appreciate them, through paying them quickly like that is the number one thing because it's not just the money it's like they trust you more right so then what ends up happening and when i tell like especially like friends or family that are hiring builders i'm like always look at like their relationships with their subs if you can because that'll tell the entire story for you if they constantly have new subcontractors all the time like you have to ask why yeah, it's not good. You, nobody wants to, like, you, you're busy selling, growing the business. Like, you don't want to be busy finding new subs all the time because that'll slow your production down. And then the customers don't realize that when you hire a builder, you're really not just hiring, like, the guys with the cool shirts or, like, the cool logo. Like, you're really hiring their whole network. And what separates good builders from bad builders is their ability to, like, support their whole network. Right. Um, and it's really cool to hear you say that, like, you take all that stuff um, seriously or, like, you take it. There's intent behind what you're doing and, like, how you're running it so you can offer a better product more consistently. Yeah, and we're, we're pretty upfront with our trade partners. If, we, if we're starting to work with a new one, we do, like, we let them know what our expectations are. And, on, you know, and on the other side, we do things like, you know, we pay quickly and we always try to have a good relationship. Um, try to get them on site before a contract's closed mm. have them do site work you know site trade walkthroughs um but yeah it's that that relationship is is a is a real key to success in, in doing remodeling or, or even just building in general how do you 
how do you like say I'm a trade partner? Like say I'm a plumber. How do they get in touch with you or how do you come across people that you choose to work with typically? So um, sometimes it'll be through the project managers. Okay. Um, one of the key indicators for a good project manager applying is they have a, a little network of trade partners that they have already that they can bring on board. Mm. Um, sometimes I'll get approached in the strangest places. Um, I'll just be wearing like a company shirt and it happened to me last night. I was uh, at a country club event here in Doylestown and some dude saw my logo and he comes up to me, he goes, Hey, uh, I seen you guys there on the, on the corner there. He goes, do you know, do you know Gemi? I'm like, yeah, I know John from Gemi construction in this area. And, uh, he's like, yeah, I'm his plumber. I do all his plumbing. I said, you got a card? He said, I sure do. <laughs> yeah. and, you, know, so you never know. It's you gotta, you know, you gotta. That subtle right. name drop. Yeah, I, I do work for a good builder. Would you like to work? Yeah, with John us has too? a great reputation. Yeah, they have he, a great reputation. He's a good dude. He's, I don't know if you know John, but he's a really nice guy. I've met him. Um, I wouldn't really say I know him. I know a lot of people um, that are involved with that company, mm-hmm. and I've only ever heard good things. Yeah, John's a good dude. It's really great reputation, and if you know, it. If you, I kind of like always like, you know, weigh people's words. Like you can't, if somebody says something negatively about, you know, any business or a builder, you kind of be like, right. well, what's your, what, ha- like, what's your, deal? what's your deal or like what caused that? And that's one company I will say I've never heard a single bad thing about. Like you always hear like, you know, you know, like somebody be like, oh, I heard so-and-so blah, blah, blah. Or the, they had this challenge or different things like that company. Never a bad thing said. No, I agreed. Yeah, so it's good to do. Um, what um, so like, how many people do you have right now on you staff? Have, you have the two carpenters. You have yourself, right? You have uh, the lovely Allison, um, and then you have designers too. Yeah, we have two designers. Okay, my wife's our uh, operations manager. She does our estimating as well. So there's a total of twelve. And we have a controller, Beth. Okay, it's on on board. Uh, twelve total. Twelve is a good size company. We need we need fifteen really right now. But we want we do run a pretty lean operation. Um, I think a lot of technology today, like uh, I don't know if you guys use anything like Builder Trend. We use Builder Trend. So we use the other the other guy, Co Construct, which Co-construct. is owned by Builder Trend. Yeah. Um, I think that platform really allows you to consolidate a lot of the job responsibilities as a project manager. Um, I met with a builder. I'll say recently it was probably a little longer ago than I thought. I realized when I first started this, but they have a very sizable operation. Um, I would say probably in like the twenty million dollar revenue range. It's a builder or a remodel? builder. Okay, builder. Builder. They do remodels and where they and build. Uh, I would say like the Doylestown market. Oh, this and they, area. And they don't use any software. Oh, really? I was like, oh, hmm. interesting. I'm like, oh. Oh, okay. But they do it successfully. Good for them. Yeah, I mean they're very successful and they have a great reputation. But I was kind of like, when I found out that I was like, I wouldn't have thought that. I think in in this, do you use builder or you use um, the other one? Coco, yeah, yeah. Do you like? Does that have a customer facing portal that you guys use? Yes. Yeah. Do you guys actually use it? Hundred percent. Yeah, it works really well for you. Excellent. Yeah, because the customers can see things more clearly or quicker or like what's the benefit to that because it holds everyone accountable Mm. on our side and on the client side okay as soon as we engage in design um, or design agreement with a client we onboard them onto that system and we're assigning tasks 
um, schedules, meetings, selections, we're all pushing it through co-construct. Mm. And it just keeps everyone kind of on point. It, it, the designers end up holding themselves accountable without them kind of knowing. Like, they're assigning their own deadlines. Yeah. So there's no one in management going behind them and be like, hey, where's, you know, where are we with so-and-so? Like, are we close? Are we done? Are we ready for contracts? You can kind of see how it's moving know. along the thing. Yep. Yeah. And then the the my favorite feature is the job logs, you know, because everyone can see what's going on without being on site. And I think when clients see that they can be away on vacation and then take out their phone. Just and just see what happens. Open it's up like the app. Crisp oh. did, did this. Yeah, here's bullet points and a few pictures. Okay, cool. Excellent. That you're not getting that text message where it's like, well, what happened at my house this week? Right. It's like, Phew, that's right. Here you go. Yep. I have all the I have all the nitty gritty. And you know, like I've never been a big fan of giving out my personal cell phone number. Yeah. Because a lot, I think the last time I did it was maybe like I don't know six years ago, seven years ago, and I was getting texts on a Sunday morning about what grout color are we going to use, and I was like, Listen, oh, no more. No yeah, more. it's like listen, listen. But with the messaging feature, because they your client essentially gets indoctrinated into that system very early on, and we're using the messaging system, there's no. It's the same as a text message. Yeah. So now there's no need for it. And then there's no, you know, hey, can you ask so-and-so about that cabinet? Like, no, just ask the question and everybody sees it. Yeah, and the big done. the big part of that that I've, you know, found amazingly helpful was all the communication is centralized. Yeah. So you're not going, like, sometimes what ends up happening is, yeah, we had that conversation. The customer texted me some wild change several weeks ago. Right. So now I'm going through my text messages being like, well... Like searching, searching. Oh no, maybe it was an email. Like if you do everything in one central location, it's logged. Yep. The communication's like, no, I actually got that message like you way later than you said you did. Or the accountability on your own team where it's like, hey, like we assign these to dos or these scope items. Like I noticed you completed them, but you completed them like two weeks later than like what we needed it. So it affected right. the whole schedule. You can track all of that. Mo like schedule movement to see like how you started the project and then how it actually happened in the right. end. And that's probably one of the biggest things that any small business in construction um, should be kind of like debriefing. It's like, well, where like we, okay, we got, we got the final payment next job. Like you should really be stopping and looking at like, okay, we got the final payment, but how did we do? We, right. The project ran two weeks longer. Well, why? Right. It's like, was it something we did? Was it a, you know, material was wrong. Like, old, how do we prevent that? Good from old happening? job autopsy. Yeah, yeah. The so, other, the other, the other caveat to use job it, autopsy. Yeah. I'm going to use that. Well, that's a common term. I didn't. I've never <laughs> heard that before. So that's when you're taking your, um, your. I don't know if you do. Do you have job cost reports? Yeah. That you, so you do take your job cost reports, and you take everything in design and everything in production, and you have a meeting. You include all parties, and you have a sit down after the job's complete, successful, or maybe you slipped on it, maybe you gripped on the job. And you run through the job and say, "What did we do right? What are, what are you know? What are some weaknesses? What do we need to focus on? Not let happen again." Yeah. Um, but going back to co-constructor, builder trend, or any platform, one of the other byproducts of it is, in combination with your company rules and procedures as far as onboarding a client and the platform, those two things in combination also vet out trouble, you know, potentially troublesome clients. Yeah. Difficult, difficult clients. I found that. Difficult clients tend to be impatient. And when you're like, hey, we have this system of rules and then we use this platform and you have to go through it. And then 
well, can you do it like in three months? Can you start in three months? Well, we have to go through design and get the selections made and we have to agree on the work scope and then we'll sign a contract and then we then we take a third deposit. Then we order materials. Then we apply for permits. We wait for everything to come in. Usually that's about six or seven months. Then we start construction. Yeah. Oh, I can't. I can't wait that long. Okay. Well, best of luck to you. Take care. Yeah. And I think, I mean, it's ultimately your job to explain like why that process yields a better product or experience because that happens to us too i think that the first level that we have to like filter stuff out is we have um like a survey form on our website right so automatically i don't care how you contact me if you text me call me if i know you you're filling that form out we do the same thing because it literally i found i like I don't know who gave Inpatient me this idea. People will just totally bypass. They it. won't even care. They'll just be like, "Nah, I talked to so and so." They yeah. say, and I'm like, "No, you like you have to do this because it just we collect all your information in one go, and then right. whoever calls you to talk to you knows what they're talking to you about. Nothing's nothing is like. Well, I mean, there's other things that are less helpful, but like it's very not helpful for you hiring a builder when you're just like, "I need you to. I want to talk to you about my remodel." Right. It's like, well what are you remodeling? Like, are you doing your whole house? What, like, what's the details? Where do you live? If your address could be so far away from us. I can literally just, instead of wasting your time, right? it's not being rude. It's just being like, Hey, like you're actually way further outside of our, you know, area of operations that like, I'm not even gonna, you know, waste your time continuing this conversation. Like, dude, if, if you're, if there's a client out, if you're a client out there listening and you go talk to a builder, you're like, Hey, I want to talk to you about my project and they entertain the conversation run. Yeah, there's no way as someone that does building construction, if you're especially right now, like people are like, we're busy, we're busier than we've ever been. I don't have time to even retain that information. Yeah. The reason we you have to go through our system is so that we retain the information. It's like the email came on in the 17th. Everything. Here's the time. Yes. Did anybody reply to this person? Go to the software. Be like, yeah, we spoke with them. Well, I don't the want you, you never want a client to feel like they're a number. Mm. The goal is to make every client feel like they're your only client. It's really hard to do. But if you have the right systems in place and everyone follows the rules, notes get taken down at the right time, they get reviewed, work scopes get done correctly, you know, all the way down the line. And it, that's super important. And that's what design build is. There's so many people that call themselves design builders and then like you meet them or you, you learn about their process and you're like, wait, it's just build. Right. There's no, like the design process is what, like, it means different things at different companies, but it really, like, the design process is where you flush out 90% or more of the issues right. or obstacles or things. Like, once you start construction, I found it's the the best ways to start and finish it. The Like, the way you planned, obviously, things come up. But, like, you don't want to be figuring stuff out on the fly. Correct. Because that slows your project down. And then, like, a, you know, a bathroom that's supposed to take six weeks ends up taking well, six months because you guys didn't have the tile in your shipping container. Right. And now it's like, okay, we have to stop, pull off your job. They're mad at you because, they, you know, my builder left. But it's like, we, just, we don't have the tile to finish yeah. kind of thing. Like, you, I mean, insert appliances, windows. Like, that's across the board now. So, like, your, the, your process is actually probably, you're probably operating more successfully than the majority of builders that don't do that right now because of like the material shortages and things like that. Yeah, and you know, just to keep in mind that this, the the term design build, it's, it's what's kind of hot in our industry right now. Yeah. So everyone's trying to jump on that bandwagon and become a, you know, quote, design build. 
Um, in my opinion, to be a design build legitimately, you need to have design and production in house. Yeah, you because can't sub two, out design. You can't. So you can if you're. Um, there's a company here locally that uh, I'm friends with the owner. Um, I don't know if you know Steve from Freedom. Freedom Millwork. Uh, no, Freedom. Oh, Freedom, Freedom Contracting. Yeah. Um, I know. He's a real the good area. dude. I know him from my Nary chapter, but we also work out at um, down the street here at um, Cornerstone Fitness. Okay. Uh, we both go in the morning, uh, so we always, you know, we're always talking chop. Um, he used to outsource, and the reason I'm bringing him up is he used to outsource design, and now he's brought it in-house. And I could tell he's grown his business, and he's more efficient. And the point being is that when you have those, you know, so you can do it outsource, but if you have it in-house, those departments have offices, and they're actual people, and they have meetings and they go over projects together and they look at pictures and they do on-site surveys and they, you know, do walkthroughs. So there's a lot more, um, the segue from design to production is much smoother and everyone's on the same page. You're streamlining the process because you're not dealing with somebody else's schedule as a business owner. Correct. You have them like they're, everybody's paddling in the same direction. Yes. Yep. Interesting. I, th- I would say that's a fair criteria. Like, if you don't have design in-house and your design build, you're not, like, the a real design builder. Agreed. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold true to this. I'm going to go out and start policing. Do you, got, do you have designers on staff? Not anymore. No? No. Well, do, you, do you guys made a shift in we, business model? Um, we're always shifting. We stay shifting. Okay. Um, Good shifting, bad shifting? Both both it's it's the latest it's um uh i guess the latest is kind of trying to like we've spent a little the better part of like three or so years scaling heavily Mm -hmm. and then the problem with scaling heavily is you need to you need to establish like your core values right off the bat and your three or four core values kind of like dictate your um how you're going to like march as a company. So everybody, like if your core values are upheld with everyone at your company, it's very easy to like, be like, okay, like this problem came up, you know, our core values are, you know, team first. So like we're having a problem with an employee or something like that. Like, well, you know, are they putting the company first? Like, are they putting the rest of their team first? Like, are they, or are they just leaving everybody early at the end of the day? Different things like that. Right. So right now, um, probably the last year we we develop lands and do spec homes Mm -hmm. we do remodels and then we also have new construction projects and we don't have enough people right so what ends up happening is you know things take longer because everyone's spread so thin um everyone's still doing a really great job but it's like what you thought you could get done in six months is not at all what you get done in six months because like you you need people right and you know people you come be careful you don't want to you don't want to have them um have burnout yeah burnout's a huge thing and then you have things in your business like linchpins mm-hmm. where you have someone in your business that plays such a critical role yep. that if they leave you oh, kind of yeah. have to take a step back and you know feel the feel the vibe out um how far into the show are we right now 30 minutes. Okay. So um, next year, I'm finding a different world to work in, whether I, like, start back out on my own or go work someplace or, 
you know, so you're you're gonna sell off your partnership. I'm gonna sell off my part of the partnership, um, mainly because um, like where we're at or where we're going, in my opinion, and then in my partner's opinion, like we want different things. Mm-hmm. Nobody's necessarily like a bad person, right? Or there's no like this person stole from me. It's none of that. It's just you, you realize that. So, we, so let me dig a little bit. It's do, like, do it's not guys, worth the lift. If one person wants one, one, you know, like say somebody wants like, like I really love the quality and pushing that like attention to detail, which takes more time. Right. And then some people want to like, they want to run. Do you have a business plan? Uh, yeah, we have spent a considerable amount of time with like consultants and different like management okay. professionals to like do all that. And I'm, that's that's me okay um i would say like it's not unfair for me to say like that that's that energy is driven by like my like my desire to have a vision and a plan um and then other people's styles are much more um like let's just let's just get it done right um and there's not like that's also effective but it's not what i want to do Understood. So we had to like, we're like, all right, cool. Like we're cool with each other, but it's just like, Hey, what, what could we do differently? And I was like, well, like maybe I just like go do something else. And like, cause like at a certain point, one of the, like one of us or what, if you have multiple partners in your company, like somebody's going to be feeling like, I like I'm holding you back from doing what you want to do. And I'm kind of not happy yeah, or vice versa. Partnerships it's tough. in general are tough. Yeah. So like, I appreciate um, what we've done as a company it's enhanced my focus. How long have you guys been in business? I've been in business for myself since 2011, and we've been a partnership for, I think, four years. Okay. So, like, we've had a lot of really great times, but, like, that whole design-build conversation, for instance, like, right. I want to be design-build, whereas, like, my business partner would be very happy um, not being, you know, not having a face in a business, like being a builder, but like getting the land and like doing the land improvements and then, you know, flipping the land to someone else and making like, he's good at those kinds of deals where there's, it doesn't necessarily require like marketing. Yeah. I'm more on your, on your side of the, like your, your yeah. perspective kind of lines up more, more with mine. You ever hear someone say like, you have to, you have to slow down to go fast. Yeah. Right. So it's like, you know, race car mentality. You have to, you have to approach the corner, right. To turn the corner fast. Mm. Um, and I think that applies in our industry a lot. When you go towards that design build movement and you, you really go into that structure, I really fully believe that it allows you as a business owner to be able to go faster or, you know, to be able to generate a profitable business without feeling like you're so busy. You can't get five minutes to take a break. Yeah. I think what we say is, and it's like a military term, it's fast is slow and right. slow is fast. Right. And what ends up happening is, you know, I'm really into like rules or procedures. Like I don't want to, I don't want to tell you how to do your job, but I want to give you like the SOPs. Yeah. Like your parameters be like, this Standard is ha- operating procedures. That's perfect. Like yep. we, I want people, I want customers treated this way. Like whatever happens, this is how customers are treated or no, no less than this. Like you can treat them better, but this is the standard or right. our subcontractors like, Hey, like, you know, if we don't have your insurance, like, and you keep asking me to get paid, but we've been asking you for your insurance for two months, 
Like we have yeah. to stay true to like be like we want to pay you. We don't want to take advantage of you, but like we also need those procedures upheld or like creating systems where it's like this is hey like this is how we're gonna do it. You know we're gonna do the daily logs or like the daily notes in the software. Where's your daily logs? Like coming up and making sure that that's getting taken care of, and then moving on to the the next problems. And um, it's hard when someone else just has like a system that's very simple. And they don't want to do, they don't want to do like all of those rule makings and holding people accountable. They just want to do business. Right. Like, and there's people that are really successful doing it like that, but it's in, like in my style of doing things, like I really love building teams and building like the community and then like keeping it like juiced up where everybody's like happy to be here. They're excited about what we're doing. You know what you're supposed to be doing. You know what I'm supposed to be doing. We're watching each other's backs, but nobody's like, overworked because like your focus is just enough right for what like so it's been it's been a great learning process the last yeah, couple that's of years. a struggle i think a lot of that revolves around culture mm. you, you know if you want a real team mentality in a, in a company it has to the, the strong basis the glue has to be the company culture because if your company culture is good then um every you don't have to tell people to be accountable they yeah. want to be accountable yeah because they're they're you know, and do you, you understand, like, you ever heard the principal difference be- between, like, a family, um, like, a, a family mentality as far as or a family culture in a company versus a team culture where a team culture, everyone has to be accountable for everything. And a family culture, you know, things kind of like bad, bad actions are tolerated, you know, kind of yeah. like, and a family like, oh, we'll let. It's we'll like let a so family so, business. Like, yeah, it's we'll like let a, him get away yeah. with it because, you know, it's no big deal, whatever. It's the yeah. boss's he, son. He, he yeah. goes out and sells work, but, you know, he doesn't do the paperwork, but it's okay because he brings a check in. Like, no, no, no. Everyone's accountable. Everyone has to follow the rules. I've never, I don't think I've ever heard it put that way, but that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and I didn't coin the term or anything. Like okay, that. I was going to yeah. give it to you. We were going to, uh, yeah. we were going to make a clip and make it go viral and just <laughs> sure. have some sort of public speaker call right. you out and be like, "I invented that." <laughs> um, internet's ruthless. Um, so, like, your company, what was your company before it was LBK? Like, what what was it branded, or is that not? Before, like, like the... Like the night, like, what did you name it before you named it LBK? It was Luxury Bath and Kitchens. Just That's that. what the LBK st- stands for. Okay. And when we rebranded, I said, let's just keep the initials kind of as... Uh, number one, it's a, it's a cool backstory, right? Yeah. So, like so a, you didn't change the name beginnings. completely. You right. just kind of facelift. Facelift, yeah. Okay. Um, and then just adding design build to the end of the initials kind of let everyone know, like, yeah, if you got a home, an addition... Not a powder room, but guest bath and master bath, like those kind of fall within our wheelhouse as far as work that we'll take on. So, like, how long have you have? How long have you been a business owner? Twenty fourteen. That was like when you started yep. out on your own, and before yep. that, you were yeah. I had a at, tough go. I um. So I, I'm originally from New York, like the Brooklyn Queens area. Okay. And um, I went to college in a, in 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 the City University of New York system, like the CUNY system. And by the end of my third year, you know, I'm. I'm like, I'm shot. I'm working as a full-time um, construction worker during the day and then taking night school. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to night class, and the professor's, like, asking questions about the homework reading from the previous day. And people are, like, asking, like, really dumb questions that were explained in the chapter. Yeah. And I'm like, what the hell am I doing here? Like, these people coming into school in pajamas and flip-flops. I just worked an eight-hour shift. You know, I'm, I'm clean. I took a shower. I'm ready to go here. And I started getting annoyed, and I started thinking, you know, I started getting more um, cynical about the whole thing. And I said, I don't, 
like I was going to school for engineering. Mm. Like I don't want to be in a cubicle. No, no offense to engineers. I don't want to be stuck in a cubicle for the rest of my life, drawing out stuff and specking stuff out. I think, I think I get bored with that. But I really liked working with designers, architects, clients, seeing these big visions come together and people being impressed by it and wowed by it, looking at the quality of the workmanship. I said, I think I want to be in the construction field you know, for, for my career. And that's kind of what led me down the path of being in, in, in the career that I am in today. Um, but I moved out um, in 20, 2007 to the Bucks County area. Okay. Uh, and my parents started a business, and I, I partnered into that business with them. Uh, to kind of help them out. My dad's a salesman. He's been a salesman his whole life. And he'd go out and sell work. I'd help him produce it. But their company was never really profitable. Um, it was construction as well? It wasn't. He So he bought a an acrylic franchise, kind of like Bathfitter. Okay. Rebath. Yeah. And um, the business model, percentage-wise and margin-wise, it works. It's very profitable. But it's very hard to compete with a household name like Bathfitter, or you know, I don't know if it's as popular as it was before, but it I think be. Bathfitter is still a big deal. Yeah. I've never done one of those, but I know I see like if you drive up and down 95 they're to everywhere. Philly, I billboards. guarantee you, you see the billboards and stuff like that. So yeah, yeah. if somebody's paying for billboards, they're probably doing okay. Yeah, that's yeah. I mean, that's probably I not so. that's not sound science, but no, yeah, I, I hope so. <laughs> um, <laughs> I hope so. So, so, um, we did that for from 2007 to 2013. Mm. And I never got a paycheck. <laughs> I was always broke. Um, 29 years old. And I'm starting to argue with my parents about this. I'm like, I can't do this shit anymore. Like, I got bills to pay. I have no money. And my wife's like, hey, I'm, I'm pregnant. So, <laughs> so I'm like, <laughs> oh, geez. You know, so now, now we're having a baby. And then my mom gets, gets sick. She gets cancer. Okay. And um, while all this is happening, I'm thinking... I'm going to start my own business. I'm going to start my own business. So I take on a job. I sell, sell my first job, and it was like a first floor remodel, redesigned the floor plan a little bit, kitchen, mud room. And how did you room. get that? Um, he reached out to us because of the acrylic stuff, and my dad was like, no, 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 we don't do that big construction stuff. We only do these things. And I'm like, I'll do You're that. like in the I'll, Yeah, back, I'm in the background. Back like, yeah, <laughs> finger up in the air. Hey, right here. We do guy. do that now. <laughs> so there was a, a cabinet company we were buying cabinets from. They used to be called Armstrong Cabinets. They're called Echelon now. Okay. And the local territory manager, if you gave him measurements, he'd design up space for you for, for, to sell you the cabinets. And that's what I did. So, you know, just to make a long story short, we designed it out, sold the project. About a week before completion, you know, my mom's doing really, really bad. Mm. And uh, within like a week or two of finishing the project, she dies, and we have no money. But I had this job, and I made a profit on it. And I was able to take that profit and then pay for the funeral, you know, pay for the ca- casket, pay for all the services. Yeah. And when we were done and wrapped up with that, and that, all that dust kind of settled, you know, because I don't even remember that time, to be honest with you. Yeah. It was so crazy. It was just like, mom died, go to funeral, go back to work, mortgage company doesn't care, hurry up. And, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, I had told my, I had a meeting, in, 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 an impromptu meeting with my dad in my office, and I said, in our office, and I said, hey, I can't, I can't do this anymore. Um, I understand, like, you, you like this business model, whatever. I can't do it. I don't make any money. I'm going back to construction. And he's like, well, I don't want to do this. I can't do this by myself. My mom kind of did all the bookkeeping and whatnot, uh, and I did a lot of the installs. So he said, I'll, 
I'll, I'll tag along with you. So my dad's kind of like, he's not a, really a business partner, but he's still around in our company. And uh, that's kind of how I got started in 2014 with LBK. Okay. Well, that's a wild journey. I'm, I'm glazing over it. There's yeah. a lot more details sure. that I don't want to get into. I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, uh, I love my dad. He, he means really well. I don't think he's just the most business. You know, I'm sure you met people that aren't yeah, business There's savvy. some people that are really good. I have a buddy who I forget what he did before he was a realtor, but he was not successful at it. Yeah. It was something with paperwork and, you know, emails and doing TPS reports or whatever. <laughs> and uh, he was just terrible at it. And then he became a realtor. And he w- became a realtor at a place that, like, they had, you know, clerical staff already. So, like, his paperwork was covered. His, you know, he was, you know, got that off his plate, found out he could communicate through email successfully as a human being. And, like, dialed himself in. But he was at, he was always an amazing salesman. Even when we were young kids, like he could convince an entire group of people to pretty much do anything. That's my dad. Yeah. So he he's now making probably conservatively a million dollars a year selling real estate as like a thirty young thirties. And I'm like, dude, I like I said to him one time, I was like, dude, I never thought you were ever gonna like. I was worried about you for a while there, and like he's like, yeah. What? I'm like, do you ever think about like why this all happened? And he now as like an adult with like kids, he's like, yeah, I got all the stuff off my plate that I'm not good at. I'm like, that's wild that, like, somebody's life, like, his life changed in three or four years from, like, the lowest level to next thing you know is at the top. And I was like, so when you, that made me realize that there, there are certain people, like, I was always the type of person that, you know, say, we'll go back to the carpenter thing. Like, somebody could be an amazing carpenter. And, like, when I was in my 20s running a business, like, I'd be like, oh, that guy's an amazing carpenter. Like, he'll make a great project manager. And that's just not the case. Someone that's, you know, a really talented carpenter might not, like, they have the the tangible skills of, like, making something, but they might not have the leadership components or the communication components to, like, be a project manager. So you want to make that jump up to project management. You have to think about, like, what your tool like your tool belt looks like in my experience most and i think a lot of people in leadership positions in our industry would agree most carpenters do not make good project managers yeah it's not not a rare thing i know a lot of why i I wish i wish they did and you know i really do because they understand it um but it's not like you could take someone who doesn't have any construction knowledge and you could turn them into a phenomenal project manager because like you put them in the position you kind of train them like i get it you know on time on budget, yeah. happy client, cool. And then you take a carpenter, and they're like, oh, well. And they, they get too far into the details on the other side. Yeah. And it's like, no, dude, you don't, I understand that, but you got to talk to the customer. Did you did you have a meeting with them? Let them know. Oh, no, I didn't do that yet. Yeah. yeah. That's where it's important. But, like, those guys are selling work inadvertently because they're so good at carpentry, people want to work with them. Right. They're kind of like an artist in a way. Like, yeah. you don't, you're not going to, you're going to get, like, that weird interaction with them. But your carpet, your, you know, your wainscoting is going to look amazing. But those are the guys that people get annoyed with. Yeah. Uh, clients, because they're like, oh, they're booked out for like a year and a half. I'm like, yeah, that happens. They're not good at scaling, but they're good at, you know, craftsmanship. Yeah. It's hard to be really good at something. I find that a lot of, especially carpenters, we're ragging on carpenters today. Um, there's, I'm one of them, by the way. I used to be a carpenter. I, I'm, I'm a car, I'm a long life carpenter. I still yeah. build stuff. I, I mean, my desk in my office I just built a few months ago. Um, 
And I'm subject to that same, you know, stereotype that I kind of went over because I became a design build out of pain. And did you, you know? have to like fight off some of those instincts? Like to, when your carpentry instincts, Absolutely. like I got to go for perfection here. It's like, no, we got to go with like, we got to take care of this yeah. email. Like, no, it's like this email doesn't need a paragraph. It just needs a couple of words. Like, well, what you had mentioned earlier happened to me. Like I, I started my own construction business. Yeah. People are like, oh, that guy's really good. And should hire him. And all of a sudden I'm really busy. And I'm like, wait a minute. I wonder, I wonder if I'm, my prices are too good. And <laughs> so looking at the financial, I'm like, yeah. Definitely prices are too good for, not for me, for, for everyone else. Yeah. And then you start increasing your prices and you get busier and then you're like, well, shit, I can't answer the phones and pay the bills and take out the trash. And now I got to hire someone to do that. I'm like, you know, it'd be even cooler if this could go faster. You know, we, if we had a showroom and we had designers on staff and then you start yeah. bringing on design, like you start doing design, you're like, well, hmm, our process isn't that great. So let's fix that. And it's, you know, that's what, and that's what I mean out of pain. It's constant improvement. Like I wasn't like a, an MBA that was like, hmm, I want to own a design build business. Let me let me write out this business plan and yeah. get work. And it's like it's totally the opposite. I say that to people all the time. Like people be like, oh, you made like a huge change in like whatever area. And I'm like, yeah, I felt like I had no choice. And they're like, yeah, but you made the choice. And I'm like, yeah, but I don't see it that way. Like I was either going right. to stay there and suffer, or you know, stop suffering and just fix whatever was like causing that problem. It happens with process in the business. It happens with the, with staff. Mm. You know, like there's there's staff you'll have on board when you're a small little company doing one or two million dollars and then you're doing five or ten million dollars. And those people that you had don't want to be a part of that. They want to be part of that small company. Mm. And, you know, it's about there's a term where you say that you have to have the right people on the bus. So everyone everyone has to know, you know, as far as business plans concerned, it's really good to let your your team know, you know, where what direction you're going in with the bus and um, whether or not they want to be a part of it. Yeah, right people, right seats kind like of thing. You had mentioned earlier, you were talking about uh, having a linchpin, mm. right? Well, you got to make sure that that linchpin is going to be comfortable down the road because if that person isn't, we need to get something in place to have, you know, to be ready for that. It's true. It's very true. Um, did you ever out like hire outside help or like advisors to like help you do any of this? Or was this a lot of like your own path in learning how to be a good operator? I tried once mm-hmm. um, back in, I want to say 2015, and uh, the dude was, I met this guy through a, like a like a business networking group, and he's a business consultant, in air quotes. A coach. Coach, and uh, totally full of shit. Yeah. Yeah, like I was like, all right, so like what can I do about this process, that process? And he totally like went off on like this long tangent about tracking gas mileage, and I'm like, dude, we got such bigger problems right here that we need to address, <laughs> and I was just like, he sent me a bill for like a thousand bucks, and my wife's like, "I'm not gonna pay this ass." He didn't do shit. Yeah. I was like, "You know what? Give him the thousand dollars. Never call him again. Case closed. Done. Go to a restaurant. Have a bad steak. Don't go there again. Just go yeah. away. pay the bill. Walk away." Yeah, and that's what we did. No, the the best um, the best move was going into that group I had mentioned uh, at the beginning when I talked about remodelers advantage because they have things structured in a way in in, in a way where like. If you're coming in as someone who started your business in our industry as a carpenter, dude, you, your your jaw will be on the floor and your eyes will be that big around. Yeah. Because you'll realize they're going to show you how you're not tracking things correctly financially, how your structure isn't set up right. Not that it's not set up right, but how it'll be improved. They'll show you a way that, and 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 you'll you'll meet successful people in the industry, and they're and they're you know going to be very positive and supportive, and they become your group of, of advisors. And, yeah. you know, I have cell phone numbers of people in our industry that do 
20, 30 million dollars a year plus in remodeling. Builders that do more than that that I can call up at any time, be like, hey man, uh, how do you handle? How do you handle this? Yeah, I had this issue. What do you think? Or, um, I'm I'm hiring a new position, and you know, this you know this kind of went down in the interview. I'm not sure. I really like the person. I'm like, zoom me in. Yeah, zoom me in a, on on an interview with them, and they'll jump in and, and kind of give like it's been invaluable to to me and my business and my career. That's awesome for sure. And if you're if you're gonna stay in the building industry, yeah. Oh no, you, I wrote that down in the back of my you, mind. You you need to look into that group. Yeah. Um, and you know, I'm not trying to plug them or whatever the case is. I don't get any money from them. Yeah, I was gonna I, find out if you get like a around. case of beer. If no, you like, I, like, so <laughs> you, you, I, I pay them to be a member, and, and it's a good investment. Yeah, um, worth every penny because you get it all back and then some. But uh, if you're looking to improve and rub shoulders with the best of the best, the top, the one percent in our industry, you want to be there for sure. Cool, I appreciate that. When do you? I guess we'll wrap it up. Like, when do you expect the design? At, like the design offices to be like all finished or like the design, I don't want to say offices, like the design studio. Um, thanks for asking. Uh, we plan on having like a grand opening type event okay. sometime in April. Nice. I forget, do you know where the, uh, the the official date is? So it's April 22nd is the target open. Okay. And I think, are we doing also like a donation sponsorship also? Yeah, that's what the Okay. Nice. Okay. So we'll have to like when you guys get closer to that, you'll have to send us some stuff to plug out oh, there. Oh, it's gonna be a big reveal. So today I sent Allison an email. I said I want to get uh, one more banner up and then white out the other windows because I want to do like a kind of like a nice little before and after effect. Yeah. What like? I mean, I hope this doesn't happen. But it'd be kind of funny if it did. If people start getting in like rear-ended and getting car accidents there, you'll know you have a good. <laughs> a good like thing going because people are paying attention to your showroom more I, than their driving. I claim no responsibility in advance. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so yeah. It's a, there's, that's such a, it, that is such a good location because you're not, you're not like in town. Right. But you're not like, you're right before it Peddler's Village. so far alone. And then every Saturday and Sunday with, you know, Peddler's Village is the third most visited attraction in the Philadelphia area, in the greater area. Oh yeah, I believe it. Every and, time I drive past there on the weekend, I literally yeah. he we you, we were supposed to go to like a, or you went to a anniversary party for Tom's barbecue place. My brother and I pulled up, and there was so much traffic that we literally just turned around and it's, left. It's insane. I was um, like, Peddler's Saturday, Village just doing something here. Every Saturday and Sunday, if I'm at the office there and I look out the, it's just backed up traffic all the way down. Yeah, um, but we'll we'll send we're inviting industry partners, okay, cool, and whatnot to our, to our event because we're gonna have uh, lots of food drinks and, and whatnot so um we'll invite you guys out too no i appreciate it i appreciate it um and thanks for coming and hanging out with us yeah, man, i feel my like pleasure. we had a good conversation here i'm definitely gonna have to talk to you a little bit more um later about the remodelers advantage and yeah, i'll talk to you about it you know, for sure kick some other stuff around um what do we have anything else going on we're good I'm just going to end the show. Hey, we could just end it now. Yeah, yeah dude, this is No where, Prisoners Podcast. Where can we find them at? Yeah, know? we're going to find them at uh, LBK Design Build on Instagram or LBKDesignBuild.com, which is, it's awesome that you were able to lock down, like, the branding across the board. Nailed it. Nailed it. Crushed <laughs> it. <laughs> um, yeah, so is that, like, the best place, place, online or like instagram people can reach out to you and then 
start the process? Instagram, Facebook, um, like you, we, we, we use Calendly to book all our stuff and appointments and whatnot, phone calls, whatever the case may be. So you can find us uh, either social media or website. All right, so you check them out. Sound, they sound awesome to work with, so we'll definitely be letting people know. Um, this is No Prisoners Podcast. Subscribe YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts, we're there. Um, this was Nick, Andrew, Gilmar, Allison in the background, and, of course, Rambo. Uh, thanks for listening.